Welcome to Filmstrip and our Superman retrospective series. Who is he? What's his name? Where does he come from? What's he got hidden under that cape of his? Batteries? Featuring Brian. Do you like pink? I like pink very much, Louis. And Jay. To a nice guy who's about to finish last. These podcasts will be spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of films featuring the Man of Steel. I tell you, boys and girls, whichever one of you gets it out is going to wind up with the single most important interview since God talked to Moses. And now, here's Brian and Jay. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And this is our review of Superman 3, starring Christopher Reeve, Richard Pryor, Annette O'Toole, and Robert Vaughn. Directed by Richard Lester, released in 1983 on a budget of $39 million, grossed over $70 million in its run. So a financial success, but this third installment was widely panned by critics, and safe to say the fan base is divided over it with many outright hating it. We'll get into some of that as we talk about it, but Brian, any memories of seeing this growing up? Uh, no, <laughs> actually not, <laughs> none at all. Um I know I've seen bits and pieces here and there because I remember uh, the Richard Pryor character and all that. Yeah. But in watching this, which I assume was again, but maybe not, I didn't remember almost anything in it. So <laughs> <laughs> I know I grew up watching this. I don't know if I saw it in the theater or not. I do know my parents were taking us to the theater by 1983, like all together, because I remember things that ha- that came out that year that we saw in theaters together and this would have been the kind of thing they would have gone for at the time. You know, I mean, we're talking about man when movies were like, you know, four bucks a ticket you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But most of my memories of this, Brian are from watching my VHS copy of it that I taped off of like ABC Sunday night movie or something through the years. Yeah. But I honestly think it's been over a decade since I watched this before getting ready for this episode. And I watched this thing three times for this review tonight. <laughs> I watched it twice through and watched it once with the producer's commentary on it. I will never, ever recommend anyone to do that. Sometimes that <laughs> can be really insightful. In this case, it's it's not. <laughs> well, <laughs> wow. it kind of is, but it's, it's, oh, it's awful. But, uh, you know, sharp change of direction here. I mean, we talked yeah. about that a little bit last time. Because we spent two episodes now on the part two and how different it was with Richard Lester at the helm versus Donner. But, I mean, this is a totally different kind of take. And even the producers and the people making this thing say now that their intention was not really to make another sequel to Superman or Superman 2, but was to just take the Superman things they had established and some of the characters and then just do another adventure. And they compared it to the James Bond series. You know, Bond didn't always sequel himself. That's what they wanted this to be. And on some level, I can appreciate that. I don't know that there was... I mean, was there anything left to do in that last cycle of story? Uh, probably not. I mean, they kept making everyone forget what happened anyway. <laughs> so well, with, with the kiss or the spinning the earth backward or... You take your pick, right? right. <laughs> okay, so the addition of Richard Pryor here. Now, mm. All right, now, this has always perplexed me because, of course, being a kid when this came out, I had no idea who Richard Pryor was. I knew he was a famous comedian that I wasn't allowed to listen to or watch. Yeah. And it wasn't until years later that I found out why. 
And, um, <laughs> when you watched me, myself, and Irene, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't where I got introduced to him. But, I, you know, the thing about Pryor is, you know, I associate him really more with, like, the 70s than anything. I know he did a lot of movies in the 80s and stuff, but his comedic rise and, and all was in the 70s and really through the early 80s, 1980. And apparently his whole involvement here stems from the producers having seen him on Johnny Carson on the tonight show doing some bit where he talks about how much he liked the Superman movies and how he'd like to be in one. And apparently the, the little bit he does on top of the rooftop is very mm -hmm. similar to whatever he did on the Carson show, which I've never seen, but I just take that for a word, but that's a different element to introduce in this kind of movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's what I've heard as well is that basically he did that stupid Superman skit that he did for, uh, Webster and his lady, and that's how they decided to bring him in. I mean, I guess, if that's your criteria. Ilya Salkin says that he had this whole other treatment for the thing with, you know, more traditional uh, Superman villains and such, and I've read it, and yeah, indeed that was in there, but Warner Brothers was like, nah, we ain't doing this. You know, the Brainiac, <laughs> Supergirl, nah, we ain't doing this. So they decided... <laughs> to go well okay what do you want to do and then the richard Pryor got introduced and so they you know they couldn't get hackman back he wasn't interested in doing it again now reeves was on board but you know, reeves was on board because for the first time he's going to get top billing you know yeah. he had to deal you know, it was brando before and then it was hackman so now it's this is christopher reeve this is his big moment and i find that really ironic because he's barely in the thing <laughs> or he's at least in it half as much as the other star, which is Pryor. Yeah, Richard Pryor and the the, the gentleman who Vaughn Vaughn Robert Vaughn, who yeah, whom I only know from the reruns of the the Man from Uncle that my dad would watch with me and stuff. That, you know the TV spy show from the I guess the sixties and stuff. That's who he is. That's sort of his claim to fame. He's done a lot of other stuff too, but that was his the thing everybody knew him from. But I always considered him a low rent <laughs> Lex Luthor, and we can talk about that as we get into this. But I guess before we get any further along the road here, Brian, why don't you just go ahead give us the plot summary? What the heck happens in Superman 3. Oh, boy. Wealthy and ruthless businessman Ross Webster discovers the hidden computer programming talents of Gus Gorman, a mischievous genius. Webster, along with his sister and um, assistant, convince <laughs> Gus to help Webster with his plans for a global economic control. When Superman intervenes and ruins the plans, Webster demands Gus find a way to kill the hero. Gus creates a synthetic form of kryptonite laced with tar from cigarettes, which doesn't kill Superman, but it turns him into an evil incarnation of himself. Superman goes on a drinking binge, crash lands in a junkyard where his two personalities split. The altered evil Superman and the good Clark Kent. Clark eventually strangles the evil identity and goes off to get Webster and crew. They are holed up in the Grand Canyon with the help of a supercomputer machine that Gus designed. Webster tries once again to kill Superman. Ross's sister is turned into a cyborg and immobilizes her <laughs> brother and his assistants before Superman arrives with a jar of acid, which destroys the supercomputer. <laughs> Superman flies away with a reformed Gus, leaving Webster and his group to deal with the authorities. <laughs> wow. Wow. And wow. we've left out a lot there, too. There's the yeah. whole Clark Kent goes to his reunion. We're getting all oh, that. Oh, goodness. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. You know how we've talked about before, especially you and I have talked about this because for maybe film strip listeners that don't know, you and I have done five seasons worth now at this point of Buffy the Vampire Slayer reviews. You know, you're not yes. big fans of that show. And we talked about early on that there's always gimmies that you have to go into when you're going to engage in a show or a movie whatever you know the, you have to accept that there's a world full of vampires and werewolves and stuff just to be able to go with the drama of everything that happens on a show like that to be able to like a movie like superman you have to accept that an alien can land in kansas grow up and essentially become you know this super god on earth and wouldn't be evil about it he would be cool <laughs> you know it would be the yeah, all-american yeah. hero so you have to already go with some of that but everything else that you just read is a little <laughs> bit above the line. <laughs> it's crazy, Jay. It's I, I I watched this and I could not believe what I was watching the whole time. I I must have double taked six or seven times and looked at my wife like, "What the crap?" <laughs> and, 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 and Jay, we've seen some pretty bad movies in our time reviewing <laughs> i was gonna say wow. if for you to say that considering some of the roads we have traveled down the road that should not have been traveled on my dad leprechaun three mm. you know, leprechaun mean, leprechaun one. Two, you know <laughs> well no holds barred i mean we we've hey done no it. holds barred that that it, it, it's that's so bad it's good the the plot to no holds barred <laughs> compared to this makes a whole lot more sense like I can at least follow what that's about. It's bad, but at least I can get there. <laughs> so let's get into this now. The first thing, I, mean, I, I said you know, in the intro, it's a stark change of pace, and you get it right out of the gate. The first two movies have opened up on Krypton, you know? It, it was something in outer mm -hmm. space. It was something alien, right? Yeah. This one opens up in the unemployment line in Metropolis. Yeah. And we see Richard Pryor with his yo-yo standing there... <laughs> Essentially being denied benefits because he's been on unemployment for, what, 35 weeks, 36 weeks, something yeah. like that. His jobs up to this point are what? He worked at a fast food restaurant for like 30 minutes and he worked at, you know, he's a, he's, he's non-skilled labor. Okay. And there's mm -hmm. nothing against that. Look, it picks everybody to make the world go around. But Gus Gorman is not exactly what you would call a diamond in the rough. <laughs> you know, he's, what do you think? 45 at least here yeah, at this point. Minimum. It, easily. You know, I think Pryor was nearly 50 when they made this, but he certainly looks, he doesn't look like he's 20. And he's not just some kid that hadn't found his way. This is a guy who's had a lifetime of just never really getting it together. And as he is leaving the unemployment office, dejected, you know, not going to know what he's going to do, bums a light off a guy, and on the back of the matchbook is this start a career in computers ad. <laughs> On the back and, of a matchbook. Yes. On the back. Mm -hmm. And and the thing that gets me is this, there's this pull of the camera and it's like you're seeing the beginnings of this great idea. It's like he had been programmed to be a loser until he found that matchbook and all of a sudden all the light bulbs went off. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I gotta say, Jay, it was quite a bizarre scene. But what happens next makes zero sense to me in the world. All of a sudden, we're thrown into a bevy of accidents <laughs> all over the city of Metropolis. Like, everything that could go wrong goes wrong at that second. And for what reason? I don't understand. Oh, it all starts with the buxom blonde um, assistant, as we called her in the plot summary, walking out of the Webster building or Websco building onto the street 
and one guy gets distracted, and it's like all hell breaks loose yeah. <laughs> on the streets of Metropolis. So we're supposed to take it that she's so damn hot that she can cause all this chaos to happen just by walking. And not notice it. That's the thing. <laughs> she never breaks stride. Is that the point of the whole thing? I mean, is that what we're supposed to take from that? Because otherwise it makes, well, even that doesn't make any sense. Well, but the whole thing is just, what the heck? Why are we, why are we doing this? Well, here's, here's why we're doing this. There's two reasons. Richard Lester is a comedic director. He is a comedy yeah, guy. Yeah, that, that was funny. What, that is, well, that's what he's known for. Okay. And so gags and pratfalls are the kind of thing he would go for. And he's funny from a time when that would have been really funny, from the 60s and the early 70s. That's his funny. In the 1980s, that's not funny anymore. Why? Because we've seen it for 20 years on television at that point. And it, it wasn't funny then, and it's not. It's even not funny now. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about you're, you're 40 years out of time on these jokes. It's like a Three Stooges episode almost. Mm -hmm. And the things that happen, though, I mean, just... Kind of going through them here, okay? The um, guy being led by the seeing eye dog. The seeing eye dog runs away from him. Okay, mm -hmm. I know for a fact. Those dogs are trained within an inch of their life. They will never leave the people there. They're not going to chase the ankle biter dog down the street. <laughs> but beyond that, he grabs like the street line painter and is like, oh, this is my dog. And begins <laughs> to push it down the street, causing traffic mayhem. The guy that's chasing the penguins. All that crap happens all because the girl walked by. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole bit. And I'm sitting here watching this and I realize... We are six minutes into this movie, and you know who I haven't seen? Superman. He finally shows up on the street, and it's Clark. And what does he do? He blows out a little penguin that's on fire and sets it on its way. He buys a paper. Okay, first off, he works for the Daily Planet. I don't think he needs to buy one. He can probably right. pick one up. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he buys one, and he pulls it out so hard because he's so super strong that he rips it in half. We've never seen Clark do anything where it's almost like he can't control when he's Superman when he's not. That's his one joke in this whole little scene, right? Yeah, and like you said, that's never been the case in the past. Why are we introducing that now? It it seems kind of silly. It is silly. That's the thing is it's so silly. And then the next thing that happens is while all the chaos is ensuing, the one non-accidental thing happens. There's a bank robbery going on. Like the rent-a-cop that works the bank chases the robber outside and begins to open fire in public. <laughs> and he takes out a tire on a car. Uh. And the car stops on a fire hydrant and begins to fill with water. And no one can do anything. And, of course, Clark sees this. And then that's when we finally get Superman to the rescue, who flies all about eight feet <laughs> off the leaking, might I add, the incredibly leaking sunroof and pulls the guy out. Never mind that the robber is gone. Wow. And that no, the other yeah. eight bullets have probably hit other people. Okay. First off, the car filling up with the water by sitting on top of a fire hydrant. First and foremost, if the fire hydrant blew, that car would be thrown. Yeah. Uh, secondly, how the hell's the water getting into the car from underneath it? Did it blow a flipping hole in the thing? Because if it did, then it probably blew a hole in the guy's ass. <laughs> there is one thing that I actually enjoyed in this Hulk scene of chaos, and that was when Clark realizes that all this crap is going on around him, and he tries to find a place to change. He goes into a photo booth, which a kid puts a quarter in, and it starts snapping pictures of him, which now, 
I don't know about you, Jay, but every time I've seen Superman change into a super costume, it was pretty darn fast. The pictures come out of this one, and it's like he went the slowest he could possibly ever go in changing here. It's like and the little little moments in between. He stopped, yes, so he's like, ooh, and he's staring right at the camera, which is flashing at him. I mean, please. But anyway, I actually chuckled at that because I thought that was kind of silly and funny. That is a cute gag. I, I'll go with you there. But it's the only cool thing in the opening is because he's got to <laughs> yes. find a place to do. And then, never mind the fact that this is while the opening credits are going and they're blurring half the screen. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> sometimes, so he and this is when you knew you were dealing with a production that had cut the budget. Okay, the, the first two movies were over fifty million apiece on the budget. Mm-hmm. Well, they wanted the same returns, but they wanted it for basically mm, 16, 17 million less. Yeah. So when he flies from the photo booth to the car, I don't know if you noticed, the top and the bottom of the screen blur to hide the wires. And oh, it still doesn't mm. totally hide them. I was like, that's, I mean, I know we're dealing with 1980s technology, but we couldn't paint that out in post. You could do that back then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. I was like, that's what, that's not like I'm asking you to do something. But you got to pay someone to do that. So yeah, this is true. So I'm sure, I'm not sure they paid anybody to edit this. Wow. I don't know. Putting yeah. that, that opening sequence together probably took eight weeks. I can only imagine how many times they had to reset all that crap. As this is happening. Meanwhile, 12 minutes of the movie have passed. This is a two-hour film. 12 minutes have passed, and absolutely nothing of consequence has happened that you can follow at this point. You've seen a guy, Richard Pryor, basically get denied benefits and then have some sort of realization about computers that you don't Mm -hmm. know what that's going to be. And you've seen... You know, Rube Goldberg humans on the walk of Metropolis. Nothing is happening. Now, I'll say this. That first movie's a little slow, but there's a lot of stuff that happens in the first 12 minutes. Yeah, the first movie is filled with a lot of information. So even though it's slow, you're getting good data out of it. This one's just, what? What are we getting out of it? Yeah, even the second one is is a lot of it is recapping what happened the first time, but you're at least getting that data dump. So you've right. got something. This is all these little pratfalls. And then we get to the Daily Planet office. And this is the, probably the, I don't know, one of the more talked about pieces in this is what happens to Lois Lane. Now, the producers say... They had just decided to uh, go in a different direction. They wanted to do something different with the story. Margot Kidder, who is a crazy person but has moments of clarity, has said she was really ill when they fired Richard Donner. And as payback for that, they wrote her essentially what is a cameo in this movie. She's on the the screen for like five minutes, and three of Mm -hmm. it is right here. Yeah. And she's just sitting in the office getting ready to go to Bermuda. While Clark I would have rather the movie go to Bermuda. Well, sure. well, we do go to Colombia, well, sort of. That so. doesn't count. And France <laughs> and the Olympics. So we got a lot of places to go here. So it would have been a better movie if we went to Bermuda. <laughs> I don't know, Margot Kidder in that. I don't know. Maybe if they'd have taken a netto tool, we'll get there. We'll get. There. But the whole setup here is that Clark has been invited to his what is supposed to be what his fifteenth, twenty-year class reunion or whatever. And he thinks that would be a big story. You know, let me go cover my my 20-year class reunion because, yes, people in this town know me because I actually put in enough hours here that people see my work. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, yeah. I, okay. I'm, 
I don't is know. The, is the story a small town reunion, or is the I mean, story Clark Kent going back to Smallville? That's what I wasn't sure about. Mm. That's what I was going to ask you. I don't know, and I've seen this I, movie a lot. I would imagine it's not Clark Kent going back to his Smallville, because I don't think anyone cares about Clark Kent. He's not that big of a reporter, is he? I wouldn't think so. Can we agree that Metropolis is supposed to be New York City-ish, at least in the movie world? I mean, I know comic book fans will argue that all day, but in the movies, that's what this is, right? Mm -hmm. Why would anyone in New York give a damn about anything that happens in Kansas? It's a fantastic question. I don't think they would. No, (laughs) I don't think they would either. I think they'd be way more interested in Bermuda as well. Uh, that's it you know what the movie should have just gone to bermuda the end well what do you give it brian (laughs) if it were in bermuda i would (laughs) probably give it a lot more than i'm going to but uh yeah but that's not what's gonna happen we're going to go to smallville yeah and i I like that clark takes out the old uh smallville what sweater that he has and of course it's the big s on the front and lois looks at him like ooh. Yeah. Like, wait a second. But remember, she's not supposed to know any of that. <laughs> well, she doesn't. But she, but she always has been inquisitive trying to figure out who it is, right? So n- that just fits the, the mold that she looks and sees a potential Superman there and says, wait a second, in her head. But it doesn't go anywhere, so who cares? Exactly. So it's all about him getting ready to go to Smallville. And then the we can't forget the little end of that is that Mr. White has to pull the winning bingo numbers out of the infernal bingo machine to send mm-hmm. people to on some vacation because it's some South America. Yeah, it's some it's some uh thing that the people in circulation have dreamed up. Now I had a a chuckle about that, Brian, because I worked in the circulation department of a New York Times regional newspaper when I was in college. And yes, we did stupid stuff like that all the time. <laughs> oh, I mean, we didn't see anybody in South America, particularly where weather was going to happen, but we did have little contests and stuff. And I do remember my boss having to, you know, kind of be pulled aside to go, you've got to do this now. And I, I did have a little private chuckle about that. Nice. So that was funny to me, but but for most of us, again, we're sitting here, we're 20 minutes into this, and it's like, is, is Superman going to do more than just pull that one guy out of the car that could have clearly escaped if he nope. just waited about another three seconds? I can <laughs> so, tell you right now, no. Well, <laughs> you say that, but that's that's coming up in a couple <laughs> chapters. Now, we got to go back and catch back up with Gus, because he's enrolled in the local, I don't know if this is like the tech school or what. But he's, <laughs> I don't even now, think they now, had tech schools back yeah, then. Yeah, well, let, let's pull the, let's pull the curtain back here a little bit. You're the computer guy of the two of us. You design all the sites and stuff, but you do this for a living. So you work with technology, mm-hmm. and they're doing they're doing this some sort of function, and what they're mapping bilateral coordinates, and you can't do two at the same time according to the instructor. And then Gus does it, mm-hmm. and he shows the instructor, and he's like, "How did you do that?" And I love his response. I, I just did. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I so we're to believe this. Man who had cannot work at McDonald's for more than thirty minutes somehow knows technology that no one else knows how to use at this point. You're born with it or you're not, I guess. He was born with it. Are are you? That's what I'm asking. No, obviously not. I mean, yeah. Last thing I ever thought I would do is work in computers. But then again, this is what 1983. Three. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking basic programming. 
which is the language that he's using. This is before even, you know, MS-DOS may have just come out around then. I mean, it's old school stuff. But even when I was growing up, you know, I, I graduated school in the 90s, and computers were fairly new then. So, I mean, my my experience with computers at that point was playing uh, a ninja game or load runner on my commodore 64 you know i mean it, wow. there was there was <laughs> nothing that even drew me towards computers except i could play a game on it right wow. uh, it wasn't until i was in college and i t- took a job uh doing computer builds uh, for uh, ge um, that I actually started to get into computers and build my mm-hmm. own and do all that. But that, that was not even what I was going to college for until later. So, mm-hmm. Can I think what I, what I blame this on entirely is the 1980s mentality about technology. We have to put ourselves in shoes that we weren't really in at the time. But what was everyone's fear? The computers are going to replace all of us. They're going to do it all for us. But I mean, was that the fear at that time? Well, yeah, the, and I can give you context in it. Just looking at the pop culture, War Games came out that year, year before Cloak, or a couple years before Cloak and Dagger had been out, and that had been a thing. The movie Nine to Five, which was a massive smash, was about a secretarial pool that was getting replaced by technology in a lot of ways. Coming out a year after this, and had been floating around as a script for a while. Terminator, like fear of technology taking over everything. Technology can do anything. Webster even says it later in the movie. Just push some buttons and make it happen. You know, that was the fear at the time. But the problem is, I think you have to put it on the shoulders of somebody who, and no offense to Richard Pryor, he doesn't come off as somebody who can just figure this stuff out. I mean, he doesn't even know what he's doing. It's one thing if he's like sitting there and he's starting going brrr, and he's typing stuff out and he's like, how about some of that? And it's just coming to him naturally. He's just pushing buttons going, brrr, I don't know. Well, he must know something because he hacks into the uh, company billing database <laughs> quite easily. Let's talk about that, okay? A plot point in the movie Office Space. Mm, yes, where yes. they take the half cents off of everybody's paychecks and run them into one account. And that's what Gus essentially does here after a conversation with his one of his co-workers. It basically fleeces, what, 85 grand off the company? Well, he fleeces his salary, which I gotta say, back then, that's a pretty darn good salary. But, I mean, that's a good salary now. But even yeah. so, he, he basically is able to look at his paycheck, get a couple numbers off the thing, program them into his computer, and... Voila, he now has access to change anything he wants, and he basically pays himself for the whole year up front. Exactly. And he can do that every pay period because there's enough employees at this company that all those little half cents add up to 86 grand. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. So inside of a week, this guy has been denied employment benefits, and inside of a week, he's figured out a way to make 90 grand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is not bad. Impressive. Not bad. Not bad. No wonder he's unemployed. He doesn't need to work, right? So all that's going down. And again, we've seen Superman on the screen for about 35 seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. At this point. Oh, we're going to get a little bit of him now, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The chemical <laughs> plant. Can we talk about the fire at the chemical plant on the way yeah. to Smallville? Now, first things first. Not only is Clark going, but Jimmy Olsen is going. For I guess because Jimmy's going to be in this movie. Well, he wants to take the photos. He wants to take photos of Clark at his high school reunion because those are going to be some journalistic... Pulitzer <laughs> Prize winning, baby. Baby, I'm telling you. <laughs> but they, they come across this fire out in the middle of nowhere. And I found this little bit of trivia funny that all of these firemen are actually real firemen. 
So I'm like, well, that totally explains the terrible acting that's about to happen. Nice. <laughs> because the fire is going at the chemical plant, <laughs> Superman lands, and one of them is like handing my helmet. And then, but the thing is, Superman's like, hey, what can I do to help? Well, why don't you put the fire out? <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. Exactly. We've established that Superman has super wind power. Yes. Um, it doesn't occur to him that he should try and blow the fire out at all in this trip. I mean, yeah. All honestly. Yeah. And okay, we just saw what happens when a chemical uh, plant gets caught on fire, Jay. Yes, in, with the very with West Texas, right? Terrible, we just yes. saw that happen. So we know how unrealistic this is. If if I'm at this place, yeah. I am no way in hell anywhere near this thing as it's on fire. Right. No yeah. way. And they drop this whole bit in there about the the scientists that won't leave because well it's just normal acid, but if it gets over 180 degrees. Da, da, da. And <laughs> by him sitting there watching it, it's going to help, right? Yeah, I'm like, dude, <laughs> I don't know what your 401k is, but <laughs> hey, brother, I'd get out. <laughs> no doubt. It's, take that uh, job. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, I'm going to stay here because I got to make sure it doesn't get over 180 degrees, but you're just staring at yeah, it. Yeah, like, he's not blowing air not, on it. You're not doing <laughs> he's anything. Not, he's not cool. He's not even grabbing the fire extinguisher off the wall. Yeah. But think- we had to set up something for this acid, right? We had right. To set well, well up. it's all because of what the acid does later. You're right. They, they had to set it up. And it also <laughs> gives us the other thing. I'm sure someone was like, hey, maybe Superman should be in Superman 3. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But so hey, he, at least he we said, got Jimmy Olsen, right? Well, he, we had to get rid of Jimmy, though, too. Which is, that's why I said, why is Jimmy here? Because we get him off the screen as fast as we get him on it. He falls off a ladder as he's trying to take a picture. And as he he's in the fiery building trying to take pictures. Exactly. As what a, a good moron. photographer would do. Yeah. And, and yeah. I've known a few, and they, they will do that kind of stuff. So I'm, <sighs> I'm fine with that. But Superman saves him and then does the x-ray vision clean break, you know, and the, now we've sent him away. And Superman goes, and he hears the fireman say, we ran out of water. <laughs> <laughs> and the nearest lake is five miles away. Now, two things. How do you run out of water? And I love that the chief is like, you told me I had water. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, right, right. You think you might, I don't know, drill on that? That's what firemen do when they're not putting out fires. <laughs> they they practice this so that when there's a real one, they don't have this problem. <laughs> but I have a couple problems here, Jay, before we get into this awesome lake thing. Yeah. Uh, first of all, when, when he's Clark Kent sitting there and he has to turn to Superman, he goes into a cop car in the back seat and then miraculously is able to open the back door to get out, which if you're ever in a police car, <laughs> you are not able to open it from inside. Yeah. But anyway, that's one thing. The The second thing is, is that he's helping evacuate a bunch of people. And how he does that is he rips a flipping tube off of a burning building and has them slide down it. Now, I'm sorry. This building is on fire. I'm not getting in a tube that you've just ripped off it. It's probably hotter than hell. <laughs> I'm just saying. I remember distinctly my father who worked <laughs> at a power plant who had stacks like that running around. <laughs> Telling me, boy, you would melt before you ever got to the bottom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just a little. Steel tube, which is also covered in soot. Everyone slide down it. But yep. No problem. 
No it's problem. one of the many convenient things that Superman seems to be able to do all of a sudden. Actually, I could buy the cop car. I would have been cooler with the cop car if he just ripped the door off. And it's like, I would have too. officer. Exactly. Like, he should have handed the door to the cop. You know, sorry about that. Exactly. <laughs> of course, everybody would be like, hey, what happened to the dude in the tan suit? No, nobody cares. Nobody. He's probably in the fire. He's probably burning up. Yeah, whatever. Probably dead. Who cares? (laughs) But the firemen are going. There's a lake five miles away, but we don't have a hose that long. Right. (laughs) Okay. Sure. So Superman says, "Which way is the lake?" And all they do is go over there. First off, he shouldn't have to ask for directions. If you can move yeah, around right. as fast as he can to get the Earth to go backward to turn time back, he, <laughs> he should can, just be able to go. He can go hunting. Yep. He shouldn't be able to hop up and go. Oh, it's over there. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Superman doesn't need directions. He doesn't need a Tom Tom, but he gets some directions, and he goes to this lake, and he uses his magical freeze breath. To freeze the top layer of the lake. Now, my question is, where are all the ducks and fish hidden in the ice? And no, the no. small children that might have been swimming. Uh, well, they're not there. But my question is, why freeze the lake when you could have froze the damn plant that's on fire? Thank you. Exactly. Hello. Why do we have to go five miles to bring the rain? <laughs> and then he what? He flies up like a mile and drops this heavy thing of thing of ice, which miraculously somehow dissipates into water and causes a rain shower. In and the it, middle yeah, of it's it. not that it just like splashes everything. It, clouds form, thunder cracks, <laughs> and we get a full storm from. The, and I'm like, Superman has just damaged the ecology of this town forever. <laughs> not to not- mention that. That rain dropped right on that plant is probably not exactly what you'd call healthy rain. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's going to take a lot more rain to put out a gaping fire like that with chemicals all around it. Oh, that's the thing. The the acid has started to heat up, right? And immediately, like within seconds of him dropping that, the temperature gauge is like... It's cool. (laughs) It's cool. Now, this scene is utterly ridiculous, if you yes. cannot tell by our comments. But I have one major thing here that I wrote down I thought was kind of interesting. Is um, I felt like Superman was a little too interested in how the chemicals work when he was talking with the, <laughs> the guy there. He yeah. kept asking him all these questions. It's like, dude, the plant is on fire. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Hey, if you want the guided tour, put the fire out. Yes. And I'll be glad uh, to show you. <laughs> so, and oh, wait man. a minute. In all of the knowledge of 28 known galaxies, Jor-El <laughs> didn't teach him anything about plain old acid? Apparently not. Maybe they didn't have acid there. <laughs> the only acid on Krypton was acid indigestion. And then we get to the class reunion. Now, this is a swinging class reunion, baby. It's classic right there. You got the... A sweet old 60s music going because it is class reunion of 65. So that's what they would have been listening to. And Clark is in his white tux. Yeah, yeah. Looking all dashy. Which I did think fit his totally dorky personality that he tries to pass off, right? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Never mind that his friend and co-worker has sustained potentially life-threatening injuries. And burns. And he just left him over in the next house. Yeah, we never even got to see if he got rescued. 
I know. I mean, we see him later, and he's laid up in his boss's office with a cast mm-hmm. on. But yeah. it's like, well, how did he get back to New York? This one, I mean, it wasn't like he could just hop on a plane and go. <laughs> Not where he was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they're out in the middle of nowhere, and of course, Clark bumps into his old high school flame. Now, you may not remember this character, Lana Lang, gorgeous redhead. But there was a scene in the first movie where she's like, hey, you want to come and hang out with us, the cool kids, Clark? And then the quarterback, you know, blows him mm. off. And, you know, he, she leaves with him anyway. But this is that girl, grown ah. up. That's who this is. Okay. Okay. Played by the wonderful Annette O'Toole. Now, I've had a mm-hmm. thing for Annette O'Toole forever because I saw Cat People, and I probably shouldn't have when I did, but I saw it, <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I've always found her interesting and alluring, and, you know, of course, she played the mom on Smallville and later life, but she's done a lot of other stuff. I've always liked Annette O'Toole. It, yeah. Yeah, she was in It. Gosh, how can I forget that? I mean, she was great in that. And so I'm always liked Annette O'Toole. I think she's good. You know, he's running around trying to, like, stay up with her. And Lana apparently is in charge of the party. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> she's not that's the how it usually president. goes, right? She's not the class president <laughs> or anything. <laughs> she's not even married to him. He's not even there because her husband's gone. We get all this information dump about life after Clark left Smallville. And she throws a line out there. About, you haven't been back since your mom passed away. And I'm like, okay, we didn't even know that had happened. Right. We could have assumed it, I guess. But we didn't know that it happened. So, okay, that's fair enough. But it's been a long time since Clark was in Smallville. Mm -hmm. And we get to meet a couple other characters. We meet Drunken Brad, who apparently was the quarterback back in the day. And (laughs) he's still holding out for Lana. And he's incredibly smashed the entire film. Maybe the actor, too. I don't know. But all of this leads up to the next day where Lana and Clark have this this whole like conversation about how much they like each other, but they don't want to say how much they like each other still after all these years, right? Okay, here's my biggest thing, Jay, and it, it, it makes no sense, but it drives me nuts. Lana Lane, they couldn't have come up with a better name for her than Lane. I get that it's spelled different. Yeah. But still, it's, as a viewer, you don't know that. I know it's from it's it's from the comics though. She was one of those characters. Crazy, I know it's cheesy, but that's just one of those characters. So the whole point of this is that they wanted to introduce another potential love interest for Clark and Superman here that was not Lois Lane. Well, yeah, because she wasn't going to be around. Right, right, she wasn't going to be around. And initially, they thought we can make Lana the new hot reporter at the uh, the Daily Planet. You know, they were just going to totally ignore. The fact that she was from the hometown, and they said, no, nah, let's just go back, and she's the hometown girl, and all this stuff. And you see that, you know, he obviously still carries a candle for her, mm-hmm. and she does for him as well. And we learn, you know, she has a son, and all this stuff. But Clark really seems to like her, and they seem to hit it off, because somewhere inside, and this is the thing that, that can't be lost in this, is as pretty as Lana is and stuff, she's just as dorky as Clark is. You know, she yeah, just gets yeah. by because she's pretty, but she's she's like neurotic and you know one thing to the next and just sort of random as a person. And I did kind of like that. I did think that was sort of sweet and kind of cute. The thing I got out of her, and I don't know if you did too, is that she's kind of stuck on herself. She has that most popular girl in the class mentality that everything really revolves around her. And even though she pulls in a couple things about Clark here and there, it's all she, all she's doing is talking about her life, everything that's happened to her, and how wrong it is, and everything else. And it was just kind of like, good lord, lady, get over it. Well, the thing is, is like. 
everything relates back to her and either her misgivings as a you know a wife or whatever and why brad not brad but why her husband had left and all this stuff i mean she's like oh that's terrible there's a ton of potato salad left and clark's like well i don't know too much mayonnaise and she was like my, my husband loved mayonnaise why would that be a problem and he's like i, I didn't know what we were talking about him again i thought we were talking about potato right. salad and you can see that he's having that moment too and the whole time i'm watching this i'm like this would be really good if one of these characters wasn't also an alien superhero and we weren't in that movie, <laughs> if this was like the big chill, I would totally be down for this. Right. But it's not. No. And that's the problem. This is sandwiched in to give us another female character that Clark slash Superman is going to have to take care of, potentially, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. Even though he doesn't really. But that's we'll, we'll get to what happens with her in a minute. But we got to get back to Websco because, of course, you can't do anything. You can't fleece the company for 90 grand. For, what do you think? Another week's maybe gone by at this point. So it's two weeks, right? You can't do that. And somebody from accounting not go, hey, wait a minute. Hold on. Right. I mean, they have a lot of employees, but even some, they have to watch your books. I mean, it's not like, oh. Huh, look at this, 85, what the hell happened here? Exactly. So you got this guy telling Webster all about this. He's like, it's just thievery, Mr. Webster, and blah, blah, blah. And Webster's like, no, 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 no. We're not going to turn him in yet. We're going to let him let him wriggle for a little bit. We're going to see how far he takes it. And that's when you realize Webster's a bad guy himself, and he's attracted to those that will do bad. And he drops this line. He said, we'll never, you know, we won't really know who this is unless he's a complete nutter moron. And at that moment, Richard Pryor drives up in a Ferrari. (laughs) Not drives up, like squeals his tires and burns out and gets in there in the fastest possible way to make the most amount of noise. And then parks in the middle of two spots. Yeah, I mean, he just parks, like, at the turnaround, at the entrance <laughs> of the building. It's not even a parking lot. Right. But, so, Gus clearly, clearly hasn't learned anything. <laughs> but And they now know who the culprit is, and yep, good, good job. From this, we're supposed to know Webster's the bad guy. Now, let's talk about Ross Webster for just a minute. We're going to get more of him as we go forward, but it's worth talking about him now. What did you make of him? Because I've already described him as the low-rent Lex Luthor. Yeah. What What did you make of him and what he was supposed to be? I thought he you were dead on with the low-rent Lex Luthor. I, I, he annoyed the crap out of me. <laughs> I don't know. that way, The way he talked reminds me of something, and I can't think of what it is, but it's a commercial of some sorts. It's like a guy who does commercials. But anyway, he the way he talked, the way, the way he ran things, it just felt so stupid and drove me nuts the whole movie. I couldn't stand him. I think the thing is, is that he's so one note and everybody else in this movie is also so one note that you're just waiting for something else to be revealed. And we've met him for 35 seconds now and it's all we need to know. Yeah. You know, it's so simple. And that's disappointing because it took a little bit. To, I mean, you knew Lex Luthor was a bad guy the first minute he got on the screen. Because what he do? He kills a cop, you know, with with that little button thing that he's got that pushes him out into the subway. They unrolled that character over scenes of dialogue with Gene Hackman. I think the other side is too is that I mean, nothing against Robert Vaughn. I liked him in Man from Uncle. He's good in other stuff, but there there was something devilishly charming about the way Gene Hackman played Lex Luthor. To me, at least. Absolutely. This guy is, you know he's a bad dude. You know, he's the quintessential 80s corporate schmuck. 
Yeah, I gotta say, I was left wondering how the hell he made any money. Because <laughs> he just seemed like a complete idiot. Yeah. Well, Where Luther seemed like a genius. This guy seems yes. like a moron. Yes, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm not curious what this guy's good at, except scheming. Well, I, I think uh, I think we're led to believe that his sister did all the work, but she's so freaking brute and manly that they couldn't let her be the face of the company. That's how I gathered. I think you're right about that. So we'll get yeah. to her in a minute, though. So we got a flashback, though, to Smallville because, of course, Clark is trying to romance <laughs> the um, single mother here. So little Ricky's trying to bowl, and he doesn't know what he's doing. Of course, he sucks at it. Because when you're 8, 9, 10, I don't know about you, I was pretty useless, too, when it came to sports. It took me oh, a while yeah. to kind of you that down. And, oh, of course, old Brad, the state champ, and blah, blah, blah. I'm, this guy reminds me of like a character off The Simpsons. You know, it's, this is, he's talking about one note. He's basically trying to relive his glory days and, and be the center of attention, but he's going about it the wrong way, right? Exactly, because he's still hammered out of his mind at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which is That's how problem. he loses his life. Exactly. So, uh, you got to have a code. But anyway, <laughs> he's trying to show Ricky how to bowl, and Clark's like, no, 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 let, let him do it. You know, and so anyway, Ricky goes to bowl for his spare there, and I am always wondering, I want to ask you this, is this an accident or does Clark plan it like this so that he can have a reason to sneeze? He gets the chalk all over his face and he does the kaboom, super sneeze, and the kid, like, the bowling ball disintegrates the pins, like, into atoms. Yeah. Everyone is shocked and, and stunned, but no one thinks, maybe we should, like, call the cops or Guinness Book of World Records at least. <laughs> well, what are they? Yeah, reaching the Guinness. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> what are they going to call the cops for? My kid threw a ball and it went super damn fast and broke everything. I mean, they don't know it's Clark that did it. Well, but no one starts to go. I mean, this is how, and this is sad. But this is how dumb the town of Smallville is. Wait a minute. Let's put this together, people. He sneezed. This loud wind came out of his mouth, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> the ball was like a freaking kid. <laughs> Nobody right. puts that together. Okay, so I get what Clark's trying to do, right? He's trying to show up Brad, and he's trying to show up whatever. But does he really need to blow that hard to make the ball go that fast? I'm, I'm surprised the ball didn't go through the back of the bowling alley and out. That's why I wanted to know what happened to the bowling yes. ball. It's crazy. <laughs> it landed over at that chemical <laughs> Jimmy Olsen's leg broke again. <laughs> But the whole thing, it's a gag, though. That's the thing. It's, and I had to remind myself, I'm like, wait a minute. This movie opened up with 10 mm -hmm. minutes of gags. Superman's whole thing in this movie is no longer to be heroic and do stuff. I mean, it's sort of heroic, but it's really not. It's to do gags. Because yeah. isn't it funny to think about, oh, what if Superman sneezed at the bowling alley? Yeah, remember that joke? I'm sure someone told it, and that's how it got in this you know, ridiculous script. But it's a it's a pointless scene because at no time does that come right. back. That his sneezes are that powerful. He doesn't sneeze on the computer later. I mean, none of that happened. You know, I'm I'm wondering if the bowling ball wouldn't have been a better answer. Again, it just but. goes to show that whoever wrote this script doesn't understand Superman because he just keeps using things and not logically using them later when they would be handy. Interesting that you mentioned that because these were the people that were brought in in the first two Superman to rewrite Mario Puzo's, you know, epic 700 pages or whatever that he had written. And Richard Donner basically took their stuff and hired somebody else to fix it. 
who didn't get writing credit, but got like creative consultant oh, credit on it. And it was all this, it was all this campy stuff. This was the reason Donner had been fired too, because he hated that th- they were doing this whole Batman television campy stuff. He thought that yeah. was ridiculous. You needed to play it a little straighter. And you know what? Absolutely. He was right. Because this is this is. Well, and we've done this campy before. Dumb. We don't need to do campy now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you don't need camp, especially in the 80s, but that was, ugh, it's just dumb. But it's another dumb scene with a non-sequitur. That's the other thing, is it's sort of sandwiched in between these two scenes at WebSco, and I feel like it's out of sequence. Like, that should have happened after the little thing at the reunion, and then we just cut away for a while and we go back to WebSco. Mm-hmm. You know, because we, we keep alternating so quickly, but there's no tie-ins between the two scenes. It's just, you're where am I again? You know, that's how you feel. Right. We get back, and of course the boss has figured it out, and they call Gus up to the big office, and him and Webster have this whole back and forth. Yeah, uh, Webster and Gus have this whole back and forth, and it's really the big reveal of who Webster is, you know, and what he wants. And he's like, I understand what you're doing, Gus, but I could throw you in jail, but I think a man of your talents can be used better. In other words, I know now how he made his money, by manipulating other people right. to do things. And then probably chucking him to the For side sure. when he was done, you know. But we meet his lovely assistant at this point, who, by the way, we're introduced to her in this scene where she's reading like some physics book, and then everybody shows up and she starts acting. Ah, yes, yes. You know, so it's like, ah, so you're just playing the act too, honey. Okay. And then the mannish sister, you know, what does he say? I didn't know your mother was going to be here or something like that. Richard Pryor does have some good lines. They go over this whole bit, and what he wants is control of the coffee of the world, right? And he's got everything but Columbia. Mm -hmm. And what does he tell Gus to do? Him and his sister go, just reprogram a weather satellite and create weather. Okay, that technology doesn't exist. Well, (laughs) there's a lot of people who actually believe the Russians do that. Well, point being that, again, this fear of technology that these there's all these things floating around in space and we don't really know what they do there's not enough transparency so what if somebody got a hold of one and they could turn it into something evil I, you know what as a plot point i just go with it this one of those i'm like yeah, okay fine whatever this movie's already stupid so fine okay well, but they, they have him reprogram this thing to create chaos okay in okay Columbia. this is the part that gets me here so they send him to Smallville mm-hmm. to do this reprogramming of the computer, right? That controls this satellite. Because yes. I had never remembered, why does he have to go to Smallville to do this? And they're like, well, nobody can trace it if it comes from some small terminal in the middle of nowhere. And I did think, I was like, you know what, that's kind of smart. Actually, for criminals, that's, okay. that'll work. I'm, I'm okay with One that. problem, the computer that he goes yeah. to is owned by his company. It's his own yes. office. So why does he have to have Gus sneak into this building, get Brad, getting him drunk, and basically hacking into the company's own computer uh, to program yes. the satellite? So that tells me that he already owns this satellite because it's programmed by this computer. He owns the company that the computer is being hacked. So what's the point? He could have been able to do this anyway. <laughs> Without all the mischievousness. Here's the point is we want to get a moment on screen where Gus and Clark or Superman meet, but they don't know who each other is. 
And that happens as uh, Clark and Lana and Ricky are all getting ready to go on a picnic. And uh, Clark opens the door to the car and he accidentally slams it right into Richard Pryor and basically nuts him right there in front of everybody. And he's like, and the funny thing is, what if Superman accidentally opened the door (laughs) to you? You know, that's supposed to be the joke. Never mind that the car's not dented from that, but whatever. So it's also, and I, I hate to throw this out there, but it is this, they do these moments with Richard Pryor walking around, and he's obviously the only African-American mm-hmm, on screen. Mm-hmm. And he looks really out of place and feels really strange, and they're playing this sort of podunk, <laughs> music in the background, you know, this 80s cheese country thing. And it's like, yeah, they're playing that up big time. It's just a little... It's a little heavy-handed, just a little bit. So, But before he gets Brad drunk, Ricky is out running around in an open field with his dog, Buster. And he falls down, and this huge wheat combine is about to mm-hmm. chew him up. <laughs> and, of course, Clark sneaks away from Lana and goes and saves Ricky. Right? And I love the end of the scene. If for nothing more than it just feels like Christopher Reeve just decided he needed to say this. All right. Can can I have your because he you know goes away and then Clark comes back and um, he acts like hey, Superman. No big deal. I see him every day. Ricky, you know, I live in Metropolis. And Ricky's like, you think he could get his autograph for me? And I love the line. It's like if I had a nickel for every time some little yes. kid asked me for that. And I was like, I, that sounded like Christopher Reeves. <laughs> this is real life here. Yeah, no. Uh, here's the thing she doesn't recognize that he's gone away because what was the reason because she was too self-involved with what she was doing right no, well, well, her oil pan is leaking, and she's over there fixing but her he, car she, while again, he kind of yeah, she's, she's talking about how yeah. she knows how to do this and that because she took a class and this and that and da 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 da. So she's self-involved talking about herself yeah. while she's trying to fix this car. So he just Correct. sneaks off, turns into Superman, uses his super speed again, handy, uh, <laughs> to catch up <laughs> to where Ricky is, s- puts his hand out and stops a turning turbine tractor. Right? Ouch! <laughs> number one. Yeah. And the guy in the tractor is just looking at him like, what the, you know, like he didn't know what was going on. So again, Smallville doesn't know a whole lot about Superman, I don't think, because he's quite surprised at what he's seeing (laughs) and picks up Ricky and goes back. But they all seem to just sort of be like, oh, yeah, it's Superman. Like the the fireman knew who he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I guess most of the people in Smallville are either illiterate or don't have TVs or something. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, so... What are you saying about uh, let me tell you. Kids? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so he drops off Ricky, you know, does his little line and flies away. And they're like, all of a sudden, hey, where's Clark? And he comes out of what the that little manhole there with that the drain yeah, pipe, exactly. I guess. I don't know what they call it. Is there a, is there a sewer in the well, middle of the yes, field? yes, there I think is that's sometimes. what happens. Um, <laughs> just to get the drainage out of the, out of the uh, you know, whatever. But um, I've seen that. And so he comes out with the dog. Oh, I found so and so, whatever the dog's name, and that explains everything. Everyone's like, oh, okay, I knew you were around somewhere. You just missed Superman. Yeah, and no one puts this yeah, together well, again. That these two people are never in the same. Well, the only one who does is is Lois, and she keeps having her damn mind altered. That she's probably no wonder she's insane, right? <laughs> hey, look, look, what did Agent uh, J teach us in the Men in Black uh, series? You stop flashy things. Well, yeah, you, you know, you gonna give exactly, me problems. Exactly. Exactly. So, but back to what you were talking about earlier. Richard Pryor shows up with the worst country fight <laughs> accident ever to get in with Brad, 
they end up drinking so much. Like, it goes from, I've got a bar, a mini bar, and a suitcase, to they are both right. hammered. Richard Pryor's wearing a foam cowboy hat, <laughs> which is like 30 times the size <laughs> of his head. He finally gets the guy so drunk, he passes out, he's like, you thought I was drunk, too. And then he staggers. And the whole bit, though, is this next gag takes 20 minutes, right? Because he's got to have both keys turned at the same time to turn on the supercomputer in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, that will run this weather satellite that they already freaking right. own, like you said. They should just be able to reprogram, but whatever. So, meanwhile, while he is doing this, he affects everything. You have the walk don't walk sign, fight each other, and you have somebody's Neiman Marcus bill get delivered in record time to them <laughs> and be way out of whack. You got dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria is caused by him hacking into this weather satellite. <laughs> and again, I go back to my theory that everyone has this fear of technology, that everything is tied together. So they just start screwing with stuff and everything gets messed up. When in reality, that is very much not. Well, yeah. And you, you, you can just harken back to Y2K thing. Everybody thought the world was going to end. Yeah. And then, oh, look, January 1 rolls around and everything's still the same. But you know how much money companies made off of that? Fortune. I know individuals who made a lot of money. Here, let me Y2K your machine for you. Yeah, right. Exactly. I remember commercials for that. Anyway. (laughs) He creates bad weather in Columbia. And so we go back to, we don't realize it at the time, but we learn quickly that Webster and his crew are on top of their skyscraper where they have like a ski lodge (laughs) built. Yes. Okay. So it's it's so high up they can maintain this. Whatever. (laughs) They're watching the news, and what they see is, and the weather was so bad, and then they just cut it off. And they're like, yeah, see? They didn't want to see right. the end of it. Yeah, no, well, they, they, they got what they wanted, right? All the crops were destroyed and blah, 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 blah. They cut it off right before the part where Superman comes in and saves it. And we know this because Gus shows up and Richard Pryor does his Superman routine with a pink towel cloth tied around his neck. Talking about how Superman turned the turned the tornado upside down. Well, that might cause more problems, actually. Than, and you can't do it either. But I, the whole physical impossibility of how Superman saves the weather of Columbia, it just blows my mind. Because one, they didn't even bother to really shoot any of it. It's just little miniatures of, of the Superman flying in and out of fake weather, right? Or weather that they've shot and then they just sort of superimpose him over it. You don't ever see him do anything. And that is the worst thing in this kind of a movie. You do not need to tell me. You need to show me in a superhero movie. Imagine the end of Terminator 2, Brian, if it had just been told to you in voiceover by Linda Hamilton and you didn't actually see the Terminator reform after he'd been shattered and the other Terminator sacrifice himself and all that stuff. If that just was exposition instead of action. Well, and we've seen this in other movies before, too. I mean, it does leave you unsatisfied for sure. Well, you know, I guess they didn't have a budget to film all this stuff happening, right? Oh, no. And they said that, you you know what they blew their budget on, special effects-wise? Richard Pryor. The chemical fire. (laughs) No, the chemical fire. That's what they blew their budget on. (laughs) The other chemical (laughs) fire, not Richard Pryor. It's, yeah, you're right. They didn't spend any money on it. And that is, again, the mistake. Then you know what? It again, have been a plot the whole point. point of that, other than saving money, was to get Richard Pryor to do his little silly act. Right. Which is, no, is it not was that terrible. Good. I'm sorry. If it had been 
if it had been funny, that'd be one thing. But it really yep. wasn't. It was just him being. That's ridiculous. when I knew this movie you know? was just garbage because that was the reason he got hired <laughs> was for that skit. And if I saw that skit, I would never hire him in my life for anything because it's so not funny and so stupid. It is. It's just this this frantic man doing this ridiculous impression of what he thinks Superman right. is like. And at the end of it all, he's muttering to himself, it's not my fault. I didn't know Superman was going to come and fix the weather. And while the other three are like, what, what are we going to do? You know, our coffee plan is ruined. Darn drats. And he gets on a pair of skis and gets loose. And he skis off the top of a skyscraper and lands on the street. No broken bones. Uh, Jimmy Olsen fell like 10 feet and broke <laughs> yes. his leg. But hey. <laughs> Richard Pryor skis off a building yeah, and, he's not, fine. and sticks the landing. <laughs> Man, yeah. That was a, that was a 10. I would have probably awesome. fainted before I hit the ground. But I guess yeah. he's just like, and thrill ride, you. I don't know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But the, they come up with this idea of. We need to get the thing that hurts Superman. Because one of them says, I read in an interview that there's this stuff that hurts him. Now, first off, I know Lois pretty well was, you know, daunted by his sexual magnetism or whatever that night on the uh, rooftop, right? But you think in the end, Superman would be like, hey, could you please not print what kills me in the paper? Maybe that's <laughs> a bad idea. Because <laughs> you know? their answer for that is, well, we'll just reprogram the weather satellite. Mm. Trust the old weather satellite. Is going to beam out, you know, think about this. It took Superman three years in a spacecraft <laughs> beyond anything we've got on this planet to get Correct. to this planet. And inside of 24 hours, the weather satellite has pinpointed what was left of Krypton, analyzed what made it up down to like 0.5% yep. or 0.05% of the, of the compound, as they call it. And that's when Richard Pryor, who back when you could smoke in front of your computer, looks at his pack of Camel cigarettes, which must have been a major sponsor of this film because they're everywhere on it, and goes, eh, I'll just throw well, a yeah, tar in there. you got to try something. It's unknown. So they get this thing, and then he like goes to a lab and waits on it, and they make it for yes. him. <laughs> and it's just this chunk. <laughs> you reckon the, the lab guys are like, what the hell is this? Apparently not. <laughs> um I don't know. Maybe they thought they were creating a gem for some. They must be paid well to not ask questions. Oh, I'm That's sure. All I I'm can sure think. they are. Maybe in that company. But the. Yeah. And then the whole thing is Superman has been invited by Ricky to be a guest at his birthday party or whatever, which has turned into this whole thing for the city of Smallville, right? Like this, the whole freaking town is downtown there, right? Which, by the way, looks like the same town that the three Kryptonian criminals destroyed in well, Superman 2. I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm sure that they just, <laughs> hey, we got the set still. Shot on the other yeah. side of the street. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> but Richard Pryor dresses up as a like General Patton and he shows up to give his second ridiculous monologue of the film, which is to scream and yell at the town of Smallville about how important plastic is in American lives. And if it hadn't been for Superman saving that plastics plant, because apparently that's what the chemical fire was at, was at a plastics plant, we'd all be in some deep... Right, you know. and the point of that was... 
I guess to have an excuse to get you know, Richard said, no, I want another one. I want another monologue. So they let him do this thing. I can't imagine anyone wrote this. This feels like they just stuck him on a stage and shot for a day. I was like, yeah, we'll cobble hmm. together some of that. You know, <laughs> they hand Superman this chunk of stuff. And unlike the last time he got around some kryptonite, what happened? You know, he immediately felt the effects of it. He just kind of looks right. at it. Now, Granted, let's talk about how they give it to him. It's in a briefcase. <laughs> it's not even in like a lead box. Nothing. And at no time does Superman go, I wonder what the hell is it, in that it's, case. It's the Army's <laughs> budget, look. right? They didn't have much then. Reagan was just getting started. I don't know. <laughs> I guess Superman is not curious about his Christmas presents. He doesn't want to know ahead of time. So he doesn't look until they hand it to He's him. distracted. And he just kind of... Right. And the whole thing is Gus has to call back and go, uh, I put tar in it and I didn't know what it was going to do. It, it didn't kill Superman. And I love, this is the best line of the film is Webster going, I asked you to kill Superman and you couldn't do that once. <laughs> Simple, right? Hangs up on <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, that's hilarious. <laughs> Unintentionally, yeah. but it is. <laughs> so, so. What happens with, let's basically just sum up the next 20 uh, minutes of what happens here in the film. Instead of the kryptonite, like, hurting Superman, Superman becomes a dick, you? a drunk, and a, he looks disheveled. <laughs> That's what I wrote. Exactly. His, his suit's dirty. His suit looks shade. awesome this he, way, by the way. He, he, oh, by the way, you want to know what? When we get to Superman Returns, we're going to have the same nice. conversation. So we'll just hold that thought, sir. He's sitting there, and he's trying to hit on Lana. And she's like, oh, there's an accident on the bridge, because conveniently that happens again. This town is accident prone. He's like, no, nah, I always make it on time. Right. You know? And he finally shows up. And of course, it's not. Well, no, 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 no. And Hold then he's on. just. <laughs> because okay. Superman and Lana are having a good day. And then she all of a sudden <laughs> gets the call, right? And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. he just changes instantly into asshole Superman, right? <laughs> and he basically yeah. is trying to come on to Lana. She's not picking it up. Yes. He's not doing a very good job conveying it. All he's doing is scaring the piss out of her. <laughs> yeah, she does have this look on her face like, I don't think I can fight off. Right. <laughs> that might end badly for me. And we should joke about sexual assault. But that's, that's what, what's what about yes, that's what you're led to believe. Yeah. He's about to yes. rape the crap out of her and then snaps out of it. And after the moment at the bridge, when he realizes, well, hell, I was late for that, Superman decides, I'm just going to be a huge <laughs> dick to everybody now. He flies to France and straightens out the Leaning Tower of Pisa, <laughs> which would bring that crumbling Absolutely. to the ground. <laughs> but all it really does is piss off the one the guy. The maker. Mm-hmm. In town, who has all the statues, <laughs> and what he does is throws them on the ground and flips Superman off. He goes to the Olympics <laughs> and blows out the Olympic torch. Just to be an ass. He's waiting, yeah, waiting, no watching reason. this guy run up yeah. the, the, the final stretch. The and just as he's about to light the thing, <laughs> it blows it out. Yeah. <laughs> he yawns, blows it out, Oops. and then flies off. And, and yeah. he makes sure everyone he knows he did it. 
Exactly. The, the blonde bucks and blonde has decided we got to get Superman's attention to get him to do what we really want now, which is help us control <laughs> the oil. And so she goes up to the top of the Statue of Liberty like she's going to jump off of it. So the cops are all there. And he flies up and he's like, I hope you don't want to be saved because <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Oh, I'll give you everything you want, Mr. Superman. But will you just do this one little thing for me? Will you go punch a hole in this, <laughs> in this tanker out in the Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> And it, Superman goes out there and basically punches a hole in the Exxon yes. Valdez. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. And, which is funny because, like, they're telling them, like, this is the weird thing, Brian. They're telling this sea captain, you better not come here. we got a lot of weird stuff going down. We've got to protect the oil. And he's like, screw that. I can't confirm that order. Now get out of my way. i got to play my putt-putt. Oh, you know? So, so Superman disables this tanker, then goes back. To the Statue of Liberty, or the, I guess he's now he's back at the ski lodge resort on top of the Websco building, and I have to ask a question, and it's an uncomfortable one. Do him and this blonde? I would assume no, uh, no, but uh, that's what they try to lead you to believe, and maybe he takes her. By I would the say hair. that uh, they probably do get it on. And it cuts, and I'm like, that is very uncomfortable. <laughs> For your children's hero. He's just devolving. And then the thing is, it's like they're finally all up in Webster's office again, talking about it, going, this is even better. Like, instead of him screwing everything up because he's such a do-gooder, we just turned him into a huge bottle <laughs> to the world. <laughs> and they keep coming up with crap they want him to do. And then that's when Gus is like, no more. Not going to do it for free no more. You can't hold that jail on me no more because we've done, done too much stuff together. And he starts pulling out, like, wads of paper yeah. out of his tuxedo mm -hmm, that he's drawn on mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. his with his suit and parts of it are like from cigarette packs <laughs> too by the way and it's this supercomputer to which he does not explain what it can do other than to say it's the got the total defense system and it can do all this stuff mm -hmm. and he wants it and webster's like okay We'll build it for you. And I'm like, why? What is it? Do? Nobody cares. <laughs> exactly. They just like, hey, this guy's a genius. He can do stuff. Maybe he can, this computer can do stuff for me. Sure, let's build it. Let's spend millions of dollars to build this thing. And those, those schematics aren't very uh, well detailed, by the way. I was going to say, I've seen schematics for just like a very, like a small piece of equipment for like a guitar effect that I tried to fix on once, and I, that was a lowest yeah. cost. I can't imagine building a computer that's basically going to have to be yeah. hidden in the Grand yeah. Canyon. You know? My yeah. favorite scene, then, is next. Yeah, so At Superman's ball. gotten laid. He's uh, told every he's, he's blown out the, uh, the Olympic torch. He's busted a hole in an oil tanker and made a big, massive uh, environmental hazard. Uh, now he's depressed. So is he depressed because he hasn't has run out of things to do? Uh, <laughs> is, I mean, why why is he going? Why, why is he going to the bar to drink his sorrows away? I, Hold on, let's talk about that for a minute. You can shoot this guy. You can drop him off of buildings. He can turn time backward in space, breathing no problem. Mm -hmm. All right, and his cape still flaps in the breeze. Of space, <laughs> yes, which right. there is mm -hmm. one, but that happens. <laughs> but all it takes is one bottle of Johnny Walker Red, and he is as gone as Brad mm -hmm. was. Apparently, <laughs> alcohol is just like kryptonite. 
And the super liver is maybe not maybe maybe Jay, the, the Gus should have used alcohol instead of tar. Maybe that that would have been that would have been uh-huh. faster, because he starts thumping peanuts and on the bar and exploding <laughs> the bottles behind the bar, <laughs> and then he melts the the window with his heat vision, and he basically comes out of the street and he's like, "Why? What do you want? What do you want?" He's like the drunkest, meanest old Superman ever, and just about that time, of course, Lana and Ricky have decided to go to the big mm-hmm. city. <laughs> To visit Clark and Superman, and little Ricky is screaming words of encouragement. You can do it, Superman. Superman, you can do it. And all I could think was, this would be the kid that grew up to be the house painter in Leprechaun that talked about all you had to do was believe to find the four-leaf clover. (laughs) Because it's the same speech. And the fact that I have now tied this film to Leprechaun should tell every one of you now how my popcorn is going to go. But anyway, so little Ricky's encouraged, and, and apparently that is what breaks the evil Superman, Dick Superman's will or whatever, because he tries to fly and he's too drunk, so he crashes <laughs> in a junkyard and he splits. Now, explain to me. What happens over there? All right. Well, so Superman basically splits into both personalities that he carries. Clark Kent and, well, apparently Dickhead Superman. And (laughs) basically Dickhead Superman says, I want to rule this body, so I'm going to kill Clark Kent. And they get in a fight. Now, if I were to think of it like them splitting personalities, I would say that all the strength and everything goes to Superman and Clark Kent becomes the weak dorky human right because that's kind of what the split right. personalities is so the fact that clark can fight with superman give as, as yeah, good as and gives. and yeah. keep himself from being compacted in a car compactor and bust out of the <laughs> car compactor uh blows my mind because i wouldn't think that would be possible for clark kent to do although who knows maybe that's what they went well, but okay, wait a minute, though. Can I throw one bit of explanation to this? We are supposed to know this can happen, Brian, because of that opening scene when Clark Kent buys a newspaper and rips the newspaper. Okay, okay. Maybe that's why they did that, <laughs> to set that up, that he's still yeah, super well, strong oh, as Clark. It, no, that's what they will tell you as to how they set that up. I'm like, that is the worst it is. It's, it's bad. ever. So you get this massive brawl between Clark Kent's version and Dickhead Superman version, and it goes, like you said, about six minutes of them fighting each other. And Clark Kent basically has to kill Dickhead Superman before he becomes good again. Well, he strangles him and then Dickhead Superman. And let's just talk about that, Jay, because I believe Superman can breathe underwater and everything else. Yes. So how can he get strangled? I guess if his liver is not impervious to Johnny Walker Red, then he can crush his oh, larynx. Maybe that's what I he did. Know. I don't. Maybe it's he's strangling. He's supposed to be symbolic of he's strangling his demon. Well, yeah, I, absolutely. Oh. This whole thing is all symbolic. It's a it's a battle between right. the good good trying to come back out and the evil trying to pull him back down, and the good obviously triumphs. And here's the funny part of that. After Salkin's initial treatment with Brainiac and all these other people he wanted to have in it was rejected, he said, well, what if we have it Superman versus Superman and we make an evil Superman? And they're like, no, that's totally lame, but we'll keep part of that in the story. And that's wow. how they came up with this. Is This was supposed to be called Superman versus Superman. 
and then got changed to Superman. You mean they wanted a whole production. movie but of dickhead Superman versus regular Superman? Didn't they, they have that in Superman too with Zod? <laughs> I would exactly. Yeah, I thought we already had that. <laughs> they had already done it. I think someone said we already did that. <laughs> But we still got, you know, Superman doing his, his rape stuff, his, you know, national monument desecration and his destruction of the environment. So not to mention his bad drinking. So all this happens. And of course, you know, Clark peels the chest back and you know, there's the, the, the bright S, no longer the dingy. And he takes off. And so in the meanwhile, we get to see Gus's machine <laughs> built in the Grand Canyon. Essentially, he has built what is basically a a rocket defense that system looks like a in rocket. the middle of a mountain. Yeah, for the purpose of defending them against Superman, because Superman, of course, goes back to their lair, and they've left a VHS on loop that says, "Hey, just in case you turn good again, here's where <laughs> right. we are." Just in case. even they were like, you know, our plans hadn't really worked out that well. <laughs> Maybe we just better be careful. <laughs> so, oh, man. So he flies out to them. And then in what may be one of the funniest uses of technology I've ever seen in a film from the 80s, Ross gets on what has to be described as the cheesiest looking Atari <laughs> version of a video yes. game. To fire rockets at, at a, an eight-bit Superman flying in the air. Is that even eight-bit? Uh, well, That's yeah, what good question. It may not be. It may be four. <laughs> but he's keep, he's keeping score. Terrible. Like there's a score. That's the thing at the top. It's like Superman's racking up points. The rockets are racking oh. up points. They fire the big missile that looks like a green giant Thunderbird, and that blows him back into the mountain. But it yeah. still doesn't kill him. So he finally shows up, and it shoots a web around him. And Superman is like, can't breathe. And I'm automatically like, wait a minute. He can breathe in the vacuum of space. <laughs> Why is this bubble causing yeah. issues? I realize he just had his larynx crushed by himself. but So it takes him like a minute to figure out, I could just see through this thing with my heat vision. And he does. Mm -hmm. And it goes away. And then the machine has a kryptonite ray. And my thought is, why didn't we just fire right, that first? Right. Here's the thing, though. That's when Gus starts to go, but but it's hurting him. I'm like, you're the one that's <laughs> the thing. Your whole job was to kill him. Yeah, it's hurting him. That's the point. And what is hilarious to me is that one red screw <laughs> holds all this together, and Richard Pryor swallows it. Oh, that's not even the worst part. <laughs> Oh, no, the worst part is coming because the computer has become self-aware at this point. It's become the Terminator, yes. and it has decided that it's going to take on everyone. So it starts rejecting everybody. It shoots them onto the wall. It starts shooting these freeze rays at everybody. And I'm, I'm talking about, like, ice freeze. I mean, like, electro mm -hmm. freeze. And it grabs the sister, and it essentially turns her into, like, a cybernetic yes. zombie. Yes, Right? <laughs> and then she pins the assistant to the wall and starts force zapping her brother to which superman's answer is he holds his hand in front of that ray and it blows her off to the side that's how he's going to defeat her hey uh, yeah and while all that is going down superman takes time to fly back to kansas and go hey remember how i saved y'all's ass about you know three days ago can i have some of that acid because let's not forget this has all happened in a matter of about 
three weeks. So can I have some of that acid? You think you can spare a jar of it? I'm going to take it into the atmosphere with me Mm -hmm. and fly at supersonic rate. I'm certain it won't heat up. He brings it back in. And, of course, the computer doesn't see it as a threat because in its normal state, it's just acid. And he allows himself to be taken into the computer, and he drops the acid as the computer's trying to assimilate him. And the acid, of course, magically heats up, and the the red jello destroys the mm, computer. Right? It is, That's and I happened. would first think that that probably hurt his ass, too, because he had to drip it on himself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I guess details. <laughs> DC. I mean, you know, at this point, they're just eh, whatever. You know, drops. You know what? I would have been cooler with if he'd have went and got a bowling ball and sneezed it into the computer. That would have actually worked. So, but this acid bit this is just a little bit much. So again, these lines. I'm just having to draw lines, and there's too many lines. And the end of it, he frees Gus from like a pile of rubble, and they fly away. And he says. Well, we're going to leave those three for the authorities. I'm like, who knows you're here besides Exactly. Well, unless someone found their tape. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden, Gus is okay in Superman's book. Yeah, it's like Gus is a good guy. It's so much so that Superman becomes like his social worker and tries to get him a job. (laughs) In which he flatly says no to. It's, well, hey, look, how much money can he probably fleeced away? Maybe uh, well, out obviously not. Go. He spent probably the vast majority on that damn car. Well, I mean, yeah, the the, the three week job that he had here, <laughs> you know, he figured he walked away with maybe, maybe. So, at the end of it, so, but th- this is all he he. The whole point of this though is because early on they dropped this thing about how Lana had the paw on her. Oh yeah, name. this is my and favorite. You know, he he, yeah, and this. This is actually out of the comic book, though, that this happens. They stole this straight out of this. Yes, no kidding. He takes a lump of charcoal like you would light your grill with, (laughs) crushes it between his hands, and not only creates a diamond, which, of course, is how diamonds are done, but it's like perfectly princess 10-carat cut. right? And and already cut, right. That's the killer. Already cut. I mean, he didn't even have to, like... That's what I would have done. Nothing. I would have totally laser shot that yeah. thing. But uh, exactly, the, you know, but. you say that's how diamonds are created over millions of years. <laughs> yes, yes. They're, they're they're not. I can't go out to my you know pack of Kingsford out here and make it happen. No, you're no right. amount of compression <laughs> that I put on that thing is going to turn it into a diamond. <laughs> All that's going to do is turn my hands black. Yes, and put a big hole in the ground. <laughs> Exactly. That is not going to work. Let's just think about this, okay? Let's just cause the physics problem. Superman is essentially creating enough force between his hands to do something that it takes, like, tectonic plates to do on Earth. That might create a problem for everybody standing within, I don't know, nine miles. And if that's what he can do, dude can be rich real fast. I'm like, Superman can could totally have a new gig here if he's just tired of being Superman. But apparently he's not, because once again, he's going to be good. And he goes back to Metropolis. And at this point, Lois has come back from Bermuda with some scoop about, I don't know, being kidnapped. There was a drop line. I was like, what? But again, I'm with you now. That that would have been much yeah, more interesting yeah. than what we've been doing for the last two hours. But Lana is working at the Daily Planet now as Mr. White's new secretary, and Clark has given her back the ring. 
you know, oh, Superman felt really bad when he heard you had to pawn your ring, so he wanted you to have this back. But he sent me the king of the friend zone. The king zone of the friend zone, yes. So <laughs> the end of it all is Superman now has to go back and fix all the crap that he, as much as he can. He didn't go back and fix that guy's bar, by the way. He lost about $2,000 worth of liquor in that whole mirror. Mirrors are not cheap, kids. So he didn't go fix that, but he goes back and he blows the oil. By the way, the tanker has not moved. So either one of two things has happened. Either this is happening like, you know, again, a day after it happened before, or boy, the EPA is slow to respond. Because, yeah. Because he blows the oil back into the tanker and then seals it with mm-hmm. his heat vision. Yep. Do you see Welds it back shut. That? Yeah, that's going to be a stronghold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, the fact that he's using heat in heat oil, yep, 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 lasers yep. to seal. Hey, crude. why not? I mean, you thought the chemicals were a problem. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of problems with this movie, Jay. <laughs> and then he goes back and he fixes the Tower of Peace to LinkedIn, <laughs> causing that poor merchant once again to crush all of his stock and flip him off. And you know what? I'm with yeah. that merchant. I'm ready to flip Superman off, too. Absolutely. So, I think we've uh. finally arrived at the point of the podcast where it's time to do the most obvious thing we're going to do all night. Our popcorn ratings for this movie. Brian, what's yours for Superman? Oh, how the mighty have fallen, Jay. Uh, this was painful. Painful to watch. I'm, yeah. This is a small popcorn. No butter, no salt. Just disgusting old popcorn. That's about it. This is a travesty <laughs> compared to what we've had already. I mean, and not that the first two films were just this, this mecca of action comic book movie, all right? But at least mm. there was something there. What's here? <laughs> I mean, it's just It's bad. so bad, Jay, that they this... decided not to even reference it in any other Superman anything. It's a, yeah, they never come back to this, any of this crap again, and for good reason, <laughs> all right? This is the smallest of throwaway popcorn. Leave it yeah. in the bag. Don't even bother. Go run a <laughs> You'll feel better about yourself. <laughs> but two hours of your life, you will never have back. And now I can honestly say six hours of my last week, I will never <laughs> have back. <laughs> I'll waste it on this movie. <laughs> because, but now, you know what the thing is? I think watching this just by yourself is a miserable experience. I could see an event where if I had a lot of friends around and we wanted to put on like something bad just to have in the background to make fun of, this could be a candidate for bad movie night. Like it's in that category. I won't go as far as to say it's so bad it's no, good. No, it's definitely it's not definitely so bad it's bad. Good. This does not <laughs> yeah, reach Leprechaun yeah. 1 proportions. This is more Leprechaun 2 proportions. No. This, yes, that's a good way of saying it. This is Leprechaun 2, but it, I could see myself sitting around with people making fun of it. But I don't even know if I could convince enough people to try to do it. Because everyone I know hates this movie. <laughs> so, I said before, the fan base is divided. The other fans that like this, I want to meet you. I've never met any of you. Please defend this. Tell me well, what Richard I'm Richard Pryor's missing. dead, so you're not going to be able to get him. I even think he knew this was a turkey because there's a convincing argument to make. He didn't know he was in a Superman movie <laughs> for at least half of it. You know, that's where we are at the end of Superman three. So now, interesting to know, this is the last time the Salkins are going to have anything to do with Superman. Rightfully this, so. They made money on it, but they were done with making Superman movies. They didn't want to do another one. They made Supergirl and then they were done with it after this because Superman 4 got bought away from him and Superman Returns is a whole other set of Warner sure. Brothers and this new one is 
another thing. So it's interesting to note that even they grant, you know, grind it to a halt with it. The people that had worked so hard and long to get it on the screen, they killed their own thing. <laughs> I mean, they, they really did. And I can see why this is a yeah, turkey. Big time. I will never watch this again, probably. If my kids want to watch this, I will leave the room. <laughs> I would encourage your children to go out and make something in the snow because it would be more entertaining than what than what they yeah. could get out of this. <laughs> There's better stuff for them to see, even in on the kid level. I would I will say this now. I will watch Batman and Robin again, which I proclaimed for 45 minutes as the stupidest thing I had ever seen at the time when I reviewed it with Anna way back when. I will watch that again before I ever yeah, watch this again. I, I agree. I, I, I actually, uh, I can watch Batman and Robin and chuckle. You know, it's yeah. it's terrible. Yes, you just feel sorry for her. It's You feel guilty well, laughing at it. Yes, no. I mean, there's some fun stuff in there, but for the most part, it's just stupid one-liner after stupid one-liner, but... That's a whole nother movie. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we've got a whole other one and a whole other one after that before we get to Man of Steel, Brian. We're going to come back for the quest for oh, peace boy. next time. The last turn of Christopher Reeve as Superman in our next podcast. But that's another day. So, folks, thanks for joining us on this latest edition of Film Strip. You can find more episodes like we've talked about in our archives. You've heard us drop a number of the movies that we've reviewed before. Go to continuousplaypodcast.com, click the icon for movies. You can also find links to our other podcasts, our Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective, and you can also find a link to The Fabish Factor, uh, which is our general movie discussion podcast. Again, we thank you for your support. Hit us up on iTunes, leave us a review, and find us on Facebook and Twitter, and get on our Facebook page and on the post for this, and uh, tell us if we're missing something. See what, or, or if you agree with us, throw it out there. We always appreciate interacting with you. Again, until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. And that you're um, totally impervious to pain. Well, so far. Visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, for more reviews and episodes. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. Farewell forever.